Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Amen. How many know the Word of God works? Amen. How many are thankful that the Word of God works? And let me remind you real quick, if it worked for him, it can work for you, right? That's why the Word of God says to not only be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word. That, that This is not just something we hear and we're like, oh, that's amazing. This is something that can happen in your life as well. God is no respecter of persons. Like, his blessing is enough uh, to, 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 for everyone to have some, you know? Like, it, it, that's how good He is. How many are thankful that we serve a good God? Amen. Amen. I said it in Highland Colony, the first service. At, well, actually, first of all, hello, Highland Colony. Hello, Fondren. Hello, online. I'm here thankful we have a good church, a big church, multi-campus church. It's amazing. Oh, when we started, well, when I moved here in 2020, we were just one campus. And, like, starting the second campus, now there's, like, five campuses, and we keep growing, and it's amazing. We have a great church. Well, if this is your first time, welcome to Word of Life. I am not the pastor. I am just one of the pastors. Pastor will be back, and he is so good. Uh, so you have to come back now so you can listen to him as well. But in the meantime, you get a little spice today. I am from uh, Colombia. It's always good to eat spicy food every now for your digestion, right? For your digestion. It, it, it's good. <laughs> uh, but it, anyway, it's always a blessing. I, I always like to uh, honor this moment. Uh, I want to thank not only Pastor Joel, but also Pastor Luke for the opportunity. You, you guys have an amazing campus pastor, as does everyone else. You know, pastor Hillary in Fondren, uh, Pastor Chase in Highland Colony, Pastor Rob in Point Dexter. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool, the, the team that we have. Uh, if, when you get the chance, honor them. Uh, they, they do so much for everyone. Everything that is happening here. But anyway, okay, let's keep going. We are in the middle of a series, uh, and I don't know if you've been here the past few weeks or not, but we've been talking about dealing with different problems, right? Dealing with oppression, de dealing with the devil, dealing with anxiety, uh, dealing with all these things. And if you miss these messages, you can always go and download them at any, you know, podcast platform. They're right there. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. Something that I, I, I know is that Listening to a message just once just doesn't cut it because there is so much that God is speaking constantly through these messages uh, that sometimes we just have to go and listen to it again. The Word of God says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's a continual listening, a hearing, a, 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 a being inundated by the Word of God. And, and today uh, I want to talk about dealing with unbelief. Uh, how, how do you deal with those moments where it's hard to believe? And because maybe it's impossible, you know, maybe because there are no, uh, 
possible outlets or possible results. And yet we are called to believe God. And it says that, you know, to him, there is nothing impossible. Uh, so I, I really want to talk about this. But before that, I want to just share a little story. Recently, I, I was able to go to the Amazon jungle. And I was able to go and minister in the Peruvian Amazon jungle, the Brazilian Amazon jungle, and then we finished in the Colombian Amazon jungle. And in one of those uh, a, a moments of the trip, uh, we got to go into this village uh, called Nazareth, Nazareth. So it's pretty crazy that they called it, you know, like a, a biblical name. And the reason why I say it's crazy is because when we walk in, there's like this little committee waiting for us of uh, the Takuna tribe. And, and they look at us and they're like, uh, you guys can't come in. And so we're standing there and we're like, well, I mean, we were invited. We know someone's like, no, 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 no. See, see, the, the, his name in Spanish is the curaca, the, the witch doctor. Uh, he, he says you can't come in. Uh, so uh, I, I look at them and I'm like, well, see, see, tell him that my boss is bigger than his boss. So like, uh, unless my boss tells me, like, we're going to go, we're going to walk in. Uh, I felt like kindergarten, like my daddy's bigger than your daddy, right? But the problem is that he is, like he is bigger. So, so I walk in, so, that, so then they came back again, and they're like, hey, so, so the curaca is saying, though, like if you guys come in, he just wants to remind you, you, you guys aren't the first missionaries trying to, you know, come and preach here. And the past few missionaries, they, they, they've left with sickness, just so you know. You, you don't want to you, you mess with that. So part of me, you know, I, I was with the group. There, there was a couple of kids. There was actually one kid that decided to come with us. And she was always, like, uneasy because for six months I would tell them, listen, be prayed up. Listen, read the word of God. It's like you can't go anywhere on empty. Like that's just a, a life lesson in general. And so like when we go, we have to be filled. We have to be full. We can't be on empty. And so she would always be like, but why do we have to pray so much? And, you know, why do we have to read the Bible? So like we already read this scripture once. I'm like, well, read it again. Like it needs to be in you because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and the power of death and life are in the tongue. I need that word. Whatever is coming out is powerful. If I, if I catch you off guard with my screaming a little bit, I've been in Colombia a lot, so like it's sticking to me again, right? So, so anyway, so we're there, and so they say this. It's like, by the way, so literally he's like pre-cursing us. Uh, he's like, if you guys walk in, like you guys will get cursed. So I'm like, again, like my boss is bigger than your boss, but just in case, Sophia, you can go in first. Uh, <laughs> We'll see what happens, right? Like, hopefully you prayed because now is your time to shine, right? <laughs> like the penguins, right? They're like, oh, no, let's just push one to see what happens. Uh, so, so we walk in, and there's, there's this tension in this place. All the other tribes we walked into, it was easy. It was, but this one, there was just this tension. And there was people, people threw rocks at us. Uh, there were some people that were, like, drunk, and, and they were screaming at us. And it's like, leave. We don't want what you guys bring and stuff like that. So I'm praying with the missionary, and I'm, I'm, you know, we're asking God, like, God, what, what should we do? This is pretty intense. I don't want, you know, Sophia to die. And she's like, why me? I'm like, you would be the, the first. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, it was a fun time. I like to have fun. I'm sorry. Uh, so she's alive. It's okay. Uh, so, so we're praying, and then uh, the, the Holy Spirit tells the missionary to just stand up. 
and address the whole like crowd that is there. There's this tension going on. And just to say, to say the following is like, listen, you know, we, we believe in a God that is alive. You know, we, we've been praying. We, we, we've come with gifts. We have food. But we also will believe for the impossible. We will be praying for healings in this room right here. So I'm like, oh, man, he like went all in. Uh, you know, usually, you know, I, I don't like to overpromise and underdeliver. So, you know, like you, you, you have to temper expectation. But he was like, you know, in there now, this is going to happen. So we walk in and, and the place fills up. People want to see. You know, people want to see, okay, you, you say your, your, your God is stronger. Let's see it. So I'm like, oh, no, he was the one that said, <laughs> I just brought the food. Uh, and so he stands up and he's like, you know, uh, today I, 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 the Holy Spirit is telling me that there's people with tumors here that are going to get healed right now. And so only one lady stood up and passed to the front. And what was crazy is when she walked up, I could see the tumor she had. It's like this, I don't know how else to explain it, just this huge ball right here. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, things got real quick. So I tell God quickly, you know, just to remind them, it's like, Father God, like, we're in the middle of here, you know, like, uh, so one of two options. Have you ever given God options? Uh, one of two options, like, you either heal her and yes, or the rapture. Either one is, either one is fine, but I'm going to need you to move because uh, it's intense. It's like right there, you know, we're like on the line. We're, we're, it's like the front lines. And, and so this missionary, he turns over, no joke, he's like, Sophia. Come up. So Sophia's like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, I hope you pray. <laughs> now is the time. So she, she, walk, she walks up, and, and the missionary is like, Sophia, lay your hands on there. And then he starts preaching. He says, you know, Mark 16 says, these signs will follow those that believe. And then he starts, and by his stripes, he gives this whole biblical context to what we're about to do. And he says, Sophia, now pray for this lady. Sophia goes all in. She's been praying for six months. She, she knows the word. It's in her. Out of the abundance of her heart, the mouth spoke. And it just wasn't something that, you know, she rehearsed. It was something that flowed out of her. And there's a difference. So she's like, in the name of Jesus. And the moment she started touching, I don't know how else to explain it. But then the, the tumor just went like this. Now, the sound effect is me. It, <laughs> There was no, like, hissing noise. It was just, but no, but I'm serious. Like, this is not funny. Like, it, it started disappearing. So I'm in the back, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I never doubted. I told you my boss was bigger, right? And we saw, but then my, my, my question was, Father, why does this happen in the Amazon jungle? Why can't this happen, like, back home? Have you ever asked that question? It's like, why does it happen in Africa and massive crusades? There's a missionary we support as a church in Ethiopia. Every month, there's 10, 20,000 people that get saved in massive crusades. He's done over 120 that you've been a part of, whether you know or not. And he links miracles. I asked him, like, why, why does this happen? And he reminded me of two things I want to share them with you today. Mark chapter 9. There's a story in Mark chapter 9. It says, Jesus went up with some of his disciples 
says, Mark chapter 9, verse 2 says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And so, so things are escalating quickly. Like, you know, three people go up with Jesus, and all of a sudden, there's like two more people that have, they have been dead, but, you know, they come from heaven, and there's this whole transfiguration happening. And so Peter answered and said to Jesus, so no one, no one asked Peter, but Peter gives me hope. I don't know if Peter gives you hope, but Peter's a big mouth type of person who doesn't know when to shut up. And, and yet he was still at the transfiguration. Like thousands of people followed Jesus, but only three people got to see the transfiguration. Why? Because there's sacrifice involved in proximity. The, the, the closer you want to get to Jesus, uh, you know, the less people you'll be surrounded by. Don't, don't measure your relationship with Jesus based on who else is coming. Right? Don't, don't, like, don't, don't base uh, uh, the, your need for his presence based on who else will show up. All you need is him. And all he needs is you. Like he doesn't need everyone around you and for your family to be on board and for the whole church to be on board. But, but it's interesting because the closer you get to these moments, these mountaintop moments, the less people there are because it requires sacrifice. It's going to require a personal investment on your behalf. It says, it says Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Well, of course it is. It says, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Like, he went all Oprah, right? Like, you get a tabernacle. You get a tabernacle. Like, everyone here is getting a tabernacle. And the, the thing is, no one asked for a tabernacle. No one asked Peter anything. Like, Peter, just, just, just be happy you are here. But he's so excited because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Have you ever not known what to say, and so you just started saying the first thing that came to your mind, and then see if it took you anywhere? Well, that, that's Peter, and th this is me as well. And says, and the cloud came and overshadowed them, and the voice came out to the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Now look at this, God never addressed Peter's stupidity. He was just happy Peter was there. So he just kept going, and it says, Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. This happens in the mountaintop. And now the, the, the word of God says that they descend into the valley again. And verse 14, we'll pick up here. Verse 14 says, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus responds with something that I believe we should all remember. says, Jesus said to him, no, no, it's not if I can do anything. 
He throws it back to him and says, no, no, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I've come to find out that usually when there is a lack of connection, it's never on God's part or God's side. It's never God's ability that is in question. It's usually our capacity of receiving that could be questioned. It's like when the TV is not working, I'm not mad. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm not mad. I'm like, oh, electricity is a joke. I, I knew I shouldn't believe in electricity. No, I should just check the connection to see if it's plugged in or not, right? So sometimes when we pray and like it doesn't work or we're like, oh, I knew this was fake. No, 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 there's probably a connection problem. It's where there's probably a, 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 a want for things to happen, but maybe there wasn't an investment on your behalf. Maybe, maybe you, you, you didn't go up the mountaintop. And why am I saying this? Because it says immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Now help my unbelief. Because it's very easy to, be, when I say this, uh, hopefully we understand. It's easy to, under, to know that God is able. How many of you know God is able? And that's why we pray to him. We're like, Father, snap your fingers. Like, you can do it. I know, I know you can. The hard part is not knowing if he can or not. The hard part is believing that we can receive it or not. That's our unbelief. And so he said, listen, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. So it says, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, ah, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Why, did, why could you not me. So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. In other words, he said, if you, if you would have been with me at the mountaintop, then you would have had power in the valley. See, mountaintop experiences are meant to help you navigate life's valleys. There's a lot of times when we are in life's valleys, but we've never been in his presence. So then we question, God, why isn't it working here? You know why? And the reason is because you can't live a promise you don't know was made. And also, you have to know him that promised, not just what was promised. Because you, you retain your confession, you hold fast to your confession because you know that he who promised is faithful. Let's read that. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. If you don't know who you are believing in, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe in someone you don't know. It's hard to remember. Remember what was said when you weren't there when it was said. Like it's hard to follow God's steps if you are not aligned to his purpose, if you are not in his presence. How are you going to listen when he's speaking when you're not even in the room? Right? So now, now Peter, James, and John, they, they got to see it. They got to see, and they, they even got to hear the affirmation of God saying, this is my son. Like all the power in, the, in all the universe, it's in him. So they knew, but the, the disciples that questioned him weren't the ones that were with him. The disciples that questioned him were the ones that didn't go to the mountaintop. So the question would be, God, why, why the, does it happen over there and why doesn't it happen over here, right? The, the, the question 
should be, you know, what are they doing over there that we don't do over here? That when you go to missions, one thing, you step out. There's a lot of people that are waiting for God to move before they step out. But when you go to missions, you're stepping out. Hopefully, he, he, hopefully it's the rapture or it happens. Right? But not only that, but there's preparation. That you spend time with him. The, the, you know, people aren't on their phone as much. They're not distracted as much. I believe one of the greatest weapons of the enemy, you know, is not demonic power. It's just distraction. That if he can keep you, uh, you know, from being poised and thinking about his purpose, if he can keep you distracted, then maybe he can't stop you from going to heaven, but he can stop you from fulfilling your purpose here on earth. Just with pure distraction. So, so what, what do we do? You, we realize we cannot go far on empty. We need to be filled with his presence. We need to be filled with his word. How do we deal with unbelief? Well, first of all, we have to know him that promised. Because it's very hard to believe a promise if you don't know who promised. I've said this before, but like my grandma, she, she's in heaven right now. But when she was on earth, I was her favorite. And it's easy to understand. Uh, Right, And so whenever my dad would say, hey, we're going to grandma's house, I automatically got excited. Because uh, I knew good things were going to happen because I knew my grandma. Now, if he said, hey, we're going to someone else's house that I did not know, I would, you know, I'd always put the brakes on and be like, well, well who is this person? Like, you know, is there going to be food? Should I eat before we go? Like, these things I have to know. When it's grandma's house, I'm like, okay, I'm going to fast for 21 days before I go. Because it's going to be good. How many are happy, you know, that grandmas exist? Grandmas are like a slice of heaven. It's amazing. and I love it. But, but this is the thing. When, when you don't know him, then it's hard to believe in him. So how do we deal with unbelief? Well, first of all, you've got to know him. You know, they're, 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 you got to be filled with this presence. It, it, it's the basic law for anything. A car can't go anywhere if it's on empty. You can't go anywhere if you're on empty. You have to be filled with the presence of God. Filled with this word. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine in which there is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the connotation there is a consistent, continual filling. Because you're going places. God has prepared things for you. And there's things that he has planned for you. You need to fill up. So one, we need to fill up. One, one we need to know him. One, we need to spend time in his presence. It, it has to be a priority. But two, we, we also have to check what we are saying. Because what we say is a reflection of what we believe. And sometimes we have to check what is coming out of our mouth because the death and life are in the power of our tongue. I want you to realize that it's very important what you are saying and what you are not saying. And I'm going to give you biblical context for it. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 to 10 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So now this is the word of the Lord coming to Jeremiah and basically telling him, Listen, I have big things. And so you, you were made with the purpose. Purpose. Like, I, you are going to be a prophet to the nations. And so Jeremiah responds and says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am young. I am a youth. 
So the Lord said to me, to Jeremiah, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Touched my mouth. Everyone say that with me. Touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So look at this quick correction from God. He says, he prophesies over Jeremiah. Listen, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah responds, is like, ah, I can't. I'm young. So then the Lord, the Lord goes back at him quick and says, no, no, don't say that. And taps his mouth. Kind of reminds me of my mama. When I was in college, in Columbia, when you go to college, uh, you, you, it's all in the same city, so you, you stay in your parents' house. There is no dorms or anything like that. So I went to college, and I was, I forget, like third, second or third year into college. I was doing very well. But then I met the director of, like, the administration course, business course, and she was teaching one of these classes, and I said something, and I refuted something she said. And so she called me after class. She came, so I came up to her, and she said, uh, John Romick, right? Yeah. This is. So she, she's telling me, and then she looks at me and says, like, just so you know, this semester you're not going to pass. I'm like, well, why not? And she's like, oh, you know why. And then she left. So I'm like, the direct, like, she's going to make sure, if anyone can make sure that I don't pass, it's the director of the whole, like, university so I, I go back home, and I'm crying. I'm like, because I, I, I know her, and she has a reputation, and, like, she's done this before. I know people that she's done this too. So I'm crying because I don't want to do college again. Like, I'm almost done. And so my mom comes in, and I'm in the kitchen, and my mom comes in. She's like, wait, what's happening? So I tell her, like, this is happening. Like, I might not ever graduate because, you know, she, she's going to make sure. Like, I, I really made her mad and everything. And so I'm like, well, so, so this is it. I'm, I'm doomed. So she comes, up, she comes close to me and goes, pow, and hits my mouth. I'm like, what happened? And she looks at me and she says in Spanish, diablo mentiroso. She's like, the devil is a liar. I'm like, yes, he is. And then I go, I go all Jeremiah on her. I'm like, yes, she is, but this is the director of the business. Like, it's so, it's hard. And, she, and so she goes like this again. I'm like, what? Why are you hitting me? I'm not saying hit your kids, okay? This was Colombia. Apparently it's legal over there, but maybe not here. Like, don't get this out of context. But the whole point is, she says, no, no we're going to say what the word of God says, that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Just like Jesus grew in favor, you can grow in favor. He's like, so, she's like, so she said, the devil is a liar and he better not mess with my kids. <laughs> but this is what the angel did to Jeremiah. The, 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 the angel was like, listen, you're a prophet, you're blessed, you're everything. And Jeremiah was like, yeah, but you don't understand, I'm young. What did the angel do? Pop. Sometimes this is what you need. You need to, you need to check what you're saying. Because what you're saying is actually a reflection of what you believe in. But the, so Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 7 says, It was in the year the king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And it says, verse 5, Then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And then he touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. What did the angel do? It's like, no, you're not going to speak unbelief in the presence of God. You're gonna, if you're going to talk, you're going to say what God said. Like my mama always said, if you don't have anything good to say, it's like we have the same mama. Then don't say anything at all. So we go into the New Testament, in Luke chapter 1. There's a story about the parents of John the Baptist, right? Zechariah's. Uh, the angel appears and basically tells him, listen, you're going to have a son. And, and, this, and this son, you know, he, he's going to be at the forefront and he's going to pave the way for the Messiah. It's amazing. And just this huge prophecy over, over Zechariah's life and, and his wife. And, and verse 18, Luke chapter 1, verse 18 says, And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Look, excuses go in all ages. One said he couldn't because he was too young. This man said he couldn't because he was too old. Another one said that he couldn't because he was too filthy. Right? Like it's just, there's always an excuse. So what did the angel say? The angel answered him and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and has, was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And if you know the story, the next time Zacharias was able to talk was nine months later when his son was born. And they asked him and he wrote down, he's like, his name will be John because this is what the angel said. And then all of a sudden he was able to speak again. I wonder um, how many times we've limited the plan of God on our life because of this habit that we have to give out an excuse to speak out an excuse that God says, listen, I want to move upon your life. And instead of saying, Father, you know, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're like, yeah, but have you seen my bank account? Yeah, but have you seen, you know, this? Or do you know what family I come from? Like Gideon, same thing. And then the angel had to come to Gideon and say, listen, like I'm here. I'm the one that is saying this. Like I'm not only the one that is promising, I'm the performer. Like, God, it's, he is faithful, he do, that has promised. Like, it's like, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it and then walk in it. You, you just have to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. You have to go up in the mountaintop, and then you come down, and then you speak what he says, not what you feel, not what you can see. We walk by faith and not by sight. We believe the word of God over anything. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. So we, may, we say his word word we confess his word we retain our profession of faith 
Reminds me of, well, one of my personal heroes is Reinhard Vonke. I, I love that man. He is a personal hero. I don't glorify him over Jesus or anything, but he's just amazing. And one of his testimonies that always resonates in my heart is people would always question, why are you a missionary to Africa? That continent has never, and back in the days, they would tell him that continent has never accepted Christ. Missionaries, if you know the first missionaries to the continent of Africa, they would pack their clothes in coffins of how, because of how hard it is. So they'd pack their clothes in coffins because they knew the only way we're coming back from there is in this coffin. It's just hard. So people would always tell Reinhardt, like, why, are you, why do you go there? Like, you know, can God do something over there? He'd always respond back, and his confession was, see, the reason I'm going is I see a blood-washed Africa. He says, I know the, the blood of Jesus covers multitudes. Of, the, the blood of Jesus is powerful. I know the blood of Jesus will open up a way like it's been paid for. Like, you know, th these are the good news of, of the gospel. He died when he was 79 years old back in 2019, and they tallied up how many salvations uh, happened through his ministry. 79 million people received Christ through his ministry. He averaged a million a year. I mean, wow. It's because he decided to not speak the circumstances. He decided to speak the word of God. And in the same way, as I stand here, I see a blood-washed Mississippi. Come on. I see a blood-washed Jackson. I, see, I don't see the economy. I don't see the politics. I see that Jesus is able. And to him who believes, everything is possible to him that believes. Come on, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. It's not if you see the possibilities. It's not if you can see the outcome. It's if you know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you know him to be able? Because the word of God says, oh, unto him who is able. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ask or think. Now unto him who is able. Come on, let that resonate in your heart. Let it come out of your mouth. God is able. God is able. He is able to perform. He is able to do it. He is able. Which is why God is worthy of your praise. Which is why God is worthy of all adoration. Hallelujah. He is able. It's not just something that happens in the third world. Don't fall for that trap. That's a lie. He is just as able right now than he has ever been in any massive crusade anywhere in the world. It's the same God. It's the same power. Hallelujah. So how do you deal with unbelief? One, you have to know him. Get close to him. Go up in the mountaintop. Don't live your life on empty. And then number two, check what you're saying. You know, look at your neighbor and just go. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, so the, the, the outcome, let me tell you, because I actually graduated college. So my, so that was a miracle, but like the miracle upon the miracle was, so this director, I'm praying, I'm going, and she sends me messages. And she's like, listen, don't even come. Not this semester. And I'm like, what is happening? So I keep telling my mom, and my mom always responds, Diablo mentiroso. The devil is a liar. My mom just gets mad at the devil. 
So eventually, there was this whole thing that happened, and she had to step off the board, step off the whole thing. She left like a month before like the semester ended. And then the new director called me and said, listen, we've, we've been hearing this happen. We're sorry. Like there was like this restitution in my grades. The, the whole works. So I'm like, I go back home to my mom. I'm like, mom, it worked, right? My mom's like, well, of course it worked. I told you he's a liar. Um, so I'm like, just so you know, I never doubted. Uh, always believed. But listen, he, he is able. He is able. And so what I, what I want us to do today, I, I'm going to ask you to stand up real quick. I want to give time. I texted Pastor Luke this morning. I'm like, I, I told him, I woke up today believing for the miraculous. I woke up today believing for the impossible. And I want to believe with you. I can't believe for you, though. I want you to enter his presence Get filled with his word and then speak out his word. You know what God told Reinhard Bonnke whenever he was saying, you know, I believe for a blood-washed Africa? God, God told Reinhard, he said, my words in your mouth are just as powerful as my words in my mouth. We have to start learning to say what God says. Not what the, what the news say or what the situation says. And if you can't say it right now, that's fine. People deal with unbelief. It's fine. But just like the man in Mark chapter 9, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Like show me to the point where, because the, the word of God says now faith is a conviction. Like you are convinced. Like maybe you can't see it. Maybe you don't know the outcome or the possibilities. But you are convinced that he is capable. You are convinced that he is able. You are convinced that he is willing. It's just a matter of time for it to happen. So I don't know how. I don't know when. I know him. And I know that he is able. So I'm, I confess it with my mouth. It's how salvation is made. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, we having the same spirit of faith. That we, because we believe, we speak. So what do you believe in today? Speak it out right now. What are you believing for today? Speak it out right now. How do you guarantee that a prayer will be answered? How do you guarantee that a prayer will be answered if you are praying his will? If you are praying his word? Not what you are feeling. Not what you want to happen, but when you find his word, because that's what he, he says, he looks over his word to perform it. Now, he doesn't just look over your prayer to perform it. You got to put the word in your prayer. You got to put his will in what you are saying. And then it's just a matter of time. And all you have to do is you just rest in him and in his presence. Well, this is this is for Fondren. I'm believing miracles in Fondren right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, how many would believe with me that there is just a growth that is happening in our church in general? Come on, more than enough. Not just for Lakeland, not just for Highland Colony, but for Fondren, for Point Dexter. Come on, how many believe right now that God can do it right now? I declare it in the name of Jesus. There is growth, supernatural growth in our church right now. I woke up today and looked at the devil and like, I'm ready. 
You know why the, the, the word of God says, and we'll finish with this and then we'll pray. Hebrews 10 says, we hold fast to the confession for he who promises faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, the reason why I'm getting bolder is because I know his day is getting closer. Listen, Jesus is coming for his church, and he is coming for a triumphant church. Come on, he is coming for a church that believes and then speaks out his word and sees the miraculous. He's coming for a church that believes in the impossible. He's coming for a church that is willing to stand up to the devil and say, not in my home, not in my city, not in my country. You take that somewhere else, but I declare the word of God. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. God takes care of us in grand style come on he is our shepherd we do not lack for anything some people would say yeah but you don't know the day or the hour this is true but you can't know the season you get it? Jesus said you, we have to understand the time we are living in. I don't know when fall is going to happen and when the trees are going to change color but I do know it's getting colder in the same way, we are entering a season of his return. Come on, it's time to gear up. It's time to get closer. It's time to, to get his word in your heart. Let it come out of your mouth. Jesus is coming. It'll be a glorious day. And we are excited. But until his coming, we hold fast to our confession. We hold fast to our profession of faith. Do not let go because he is faithful. Hallelujah. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. While they come up, we're going we're gonna to take communion real quick. Because there's no better time to take communion than, than right after what we've just talked about. And why? Because communion is a reminder of everything you have access to and everything that has done and been accredited to your account. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians 11 that the, the night that Jesus was taken, he, he broke bread with his disciples. When he broke bread, he, he, he explained that the, the bread is, is speaking about his body, how his body was broken for us. And that because of the sacrifice of the cross, that now we have access to healing. That by his stripes, we are healed. So the word of God says that the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, right? And that now by his stripes we are healed. That his body was broken so that you don't have to live in a broken body. That there is a, you have access to healing right now. It's not just Sophia in the Amazon that gets to see it. You can see it right now today because it's already been paid for. It's not something you have to work for. It's not something you have to strive for. It's something that's been paid for. All you have to do is receive. And then it says that after dinner, he took the cup and, and he explained that the cup it represents his blood, that represents a new covenant. That now your distance to his presence will always be the same. You're a prayer away. There is no sin 
that can push you farther. There's nothing that you have done or will do that can push you away from his love. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You are, you are now a son and a daughter of God. You have access into his throne. And listen, the, the blood of Jesus covers you. Not just covers a multitude of sins. It, it pays for everything. It pays for your protection as well. That you are protected in the middle of everything that might be happening. Recently, I was in Bogota, and there was this earthquake that happened. Never happens in Bogota. Never happens in Bogota. I was in the fifth floor with my dad, and when it started shaking, I got uneasy. I'm like, let's go, let's go. People were screaming. There were sirens everywhere. Things were, like, things were falling. Chandeliers were moving. So I look at my dad. I'm like, Dad, we have to go now. He just sits down and is like, no, we don't. We'll be fine. I'm like, I don't know if you understand. Like, I'm trying to explain to him plate tectonics and movements of the earth and everything. And he's like, listen, when Jericho fell, there was just one part of Jericho that didn't fall. And it was those that were in covenant with God. It was Rahab. She was in there. Everything, we always talk about Jericho falling, but there was this one part that never fell. The reason why is because she was in covenant with Jehovah. And when we drink this cup, that's what we're saying. But we're in covenant with you, Father. So, man, like heaven and earth will pass away, but we will remain as long as we're standing in his word. So, like, it it's, sometimes makes you uneasy, but we got to believe this. Then we got to act on it. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song, I think, at some point. It, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Ooh, I got scared real quick. And while we sing, I want you to partake of the elements. And then I want you to take the time and believe. Confess. Come on, confession is made unto salvation. Start speaking the word of God over your problem, over your situation. The word of God, not what you want the outcome to be. Confess the word. Spend time with him. Deal with your unbelief this way. Just like the guy in Mark chapter 9. Father, help me with my unbelief. And what did Jesus do? He, he was there. Then he performed. And it's easy to believe once God starts performing. Amen. I believe it for today. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you, Father, because this is a reality in our life that we, we, we believe in the cross and that what the cross represents and what it paid for, Father, that we now have access to healing. We now have access to your presence, Father. And, Father, we declare today that there is healing in this room, that there is healing in every room, that there is healing in all our campuses, that online healings are happening right now because it's been paid for by your stripes. We are healed. We're not going to be. We are healed in the name of Jesus. And I believe it now. I believe for the impossible. I will not doubt. I will not stray away. I will say what your word says. And we believe it for today. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.